Good morning, church. Uh, I think you guys have known why I married my wife already. She did to correct me in many areas. <laughs> I can guarantee you that I'm smart enough to know that she's more smarter than me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as Pastor Carl said, uh, my name is Patience. My, my real name is Passion Kabuya Matadi. But to make it easy for English-speaking person, you can call me patient, but I'm already tired because people call me everything. Precious, patience, <laughs> just say it. If it sounds like my name, it's me. <laughs> That's just simple. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't see Pastor Carl here, but I would love to say thank you. Thank you to Pastor Carl for the trust. Uh, you know, church as a building, you can love everybody because that is a recommendation in the Bible. Love everybody. The Bible is even go far, even bless your enemy. But I didn't stay in my Bible where they say we need to trust everybody. It's, it's not in my Bible so far, I don't know. If it's in yours, you can show me that at the end. But uh, making me standing here and speaking to you, this is a huge responsibility and I'm grateful because I can say a word, a sentence, it can take somewhere away from the Lord. Because I remember people leaving the faith just because somebody said one more thing that they supposed to not say, and then it takes someone away. Wait, my country, oh yeah, Pastor just arrived. Thank you, Pastor Carl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, like Pastor Carl said, I, I came from Congo, and in Africa we have 53 countries, and Congo is the second largest country in, Af in Africa, and it's just in the middle. I mean, when you check the map, check in the middle, you're going to see there. There are about 85 to 100 million people that they live there. I grew up in a very huge city, a city of 14 million people. We have just 300 cars. That means there's a huge traffic people because people crossing the road. You know, we can see 1 million people from one side going to another side. <laughs> and then we have a huge traffic about it. It's just crazy sometimes. But I love my country. And we have more than 300 languages. People can speak language terrible. It's just a lot. I don't even know what to say. We, we switch languages like a joke. Like, like when I talk with my wife or I talk with other people that they come from my country, we can speak up to five languages in one conversation. We're just switching and switching and switching. But my wife and I, we just do two. Now we're struggling to learn English, but yeah, we, we're going to get there one day. But my daughter, yes, she can speak English and she's trying to speak French. And she's just amazing and I bless God for her. And tomorrow she will be turning six years, not because I'm a great dad, but because God was faithful. And then, yes, but we, we're gonna go straight to the message. You know, uh, I was thinking about that when Pastor Carl asked me to preach about today. And then in my country, we always say something and I would like to start by there. The only way you can see how big and how tall the tree is, is if you take some distance from the tree. You know that because if you stand under the tree, it's very difficult for you to see how tall the tree is. And the reason that I'm saying that is you guys don't know how blessed you are as a church to have Pastor Carl as a preacher. I think you need to travel in town a little bit, go to different churches, and then when you come back in Flipside, you're going to realize that, no, no, someone really is a preacher. We have a preacher in the house. And then when he asked me to stand here and preach today, I was saying, man, this is a punishment or what? Because I don't want to do it. I'm going to care with my youth there in room six. And I tell them whatever I want to tell them. And they can challenge me, but I know for sure that I know the Bible better than them. 
even if they want to, but I'm okay. But I said, wait. And then I start praying about preaching about this, and I, I start to write a sermon, and on Tuesday, I feel like the Lord was just telling me one thing. He said, you need to stop, and you need to focus on what me, God, I'm going to tell you. You're not going to tell my people what you think it's the right things to say. And I say, okay, God, I want to hear you now. And then now I start to think about this. That's why we're going to read one verse before even we start. We're going to be in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2, 241, and I'll start. And I'll stop maybe in verses 50. The Bible says, every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents didn't know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, he went a day's journey. Then, no, no, they went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and their friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem and they searching and searched for him. After three days, they found him in a temple complex, sitting among teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard from him were amazed at this understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they, went, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I were so nervous searching for you. Why you were searching for me? He asked them. Did you know, you know that I had to be in my father's house? And then when I read this story, I start to think about what God really wants me to share today about today. But before we get to the story, I want to explain something. In the beginning of time, God was in some way that nobody had an idea, including myself. But all I know, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, God said, let go and create the world. And he called his people. He said, we're going to go. Who was there? I don't know. Just as I know, he called everything in existence. And after that, God made Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden. He said, you guys are going to be the manager. And I'll come every night to spend time with you. And God was coming every night to spend time with Adam and talking with them. But as the manager, God even allowed them to be able to name everything that we know. Mango, lion, tree, whatever you call, he was named by Adam. God made it, but he trusted him enough. But God was in a relationship with them, but he told them just one thing. The tree that is in the middle, don't touch it. That was simple. It seems like human beings don't like simple things. <laughs> Including myself. When they told me, don't touch, this is when I want to touch now. Just want to see what is going on there. They told them, simple, just don't touch. You can do anything you want to, except that. But for some reason, they sing. And at the night, the Lord came and they looked for them and I talked to them. And that we, we know what God told to, uh, to, to Adam already. We know about it. We know what God told. The serpent, we know about it. We know that what God told the woman. This is the part that I love the most. He told them, he said, you know what? I'm going to put the differences between your generation, the generation of the serpent, and the generation of a woman. He said, you know what is going to happen? You're going to bite them, but the generation of a woman is going to crush your head. This was already the plan of salvation. 
But then God was already talking about Jesus Christ. But when we check from Jesus Christ, from Adam to Abraham, this is 2,000 years already past. But from Adam, from Abraham to Joseph and Mary, this is another 2,000. That means 4,000 years. What I want you to think about it here is what? God took 4,000 years to prepare something. That means God took 4,000 years so he can find Mary and Joseph to be the parent of Jesus Christ. No, not two days, not six months, not eight years in college where I'm talking with your PhD already. Not all of this, no. 4,000 years for somebody that is, you have a power to call everything in existence. It took him 4,000 years to prepare the coming of Jesus. And God finally, God had found Abraham. And he told Abraham, you know what? Your son Isaac, God chose Isaac. Isaac actually have also two kids, but God chose Jacob, and the true Jacob, Jacob have 12 kids, and among the 12, we see that one of them come off the line, which is Judah, is the fourth one, and God chose Judah, and from Judah, we can see the King David, and from the King David, we can see all the genealogy of Jesus Christ, which is already conflicted in the Bible sometime, when we talk about the genealogy in the book of Matthew, and the look, there's a little bit of differences there, but we can see that all of them, now we have Joseph and Mary, finally, Jesus was born. But how Jesus was born? But Jesus was born because the angel appeared to Mary. And he told Mary one thing. He said, I have a good news. You find the favor before the Lord. You are the one who's going to carry the Messiah. What I love, one of the part that I love the most is the same angel went to see Joseph. He said, don't worry, nobody touch your wife. <laughs> <laughs> this is God that is doing the work. But you know what? I love it. Because if it was me, I don't know how I'm going to react. <laughs> But God sent the angel say, wait, calm down. Everything is under control. The son that will be born. You can see, I want you to remember this part. He appeared to Mary, the angel appeared to Joseph. And when Jesus was born, the angel appeared to the shepherd. They went even to worship Jesus. And he appeared also to the wise men. And he told them, hey, guys, change the road. Don't go back this way. Don't go to the route of Jerusalem. Change your road. He appeared to Joseph again. He said, Joseph, I want you to take your son and the Jesus, the son Jesus and the Mary, go to Egypt. I need just to let you know that Jesus also was a refugee. He went to Egypt for a couple of years. I don't know how many years, but he was there. And then what I noticed again, the angel appeared again, once again to Joseph. He said, it's a time for you to come back. Because the person that was trying to kill the son is actually dead. The, all of this, just to tell you how God was planning every single detail, every single comma. God was planning every single thing and keeping contact, That's communication, a clear line of communication between Mary, Joseph, and him. But now we get to our verses. Okay. Now we get to our verses. The Bible is telling us about the story that I love, the story that we read today. It's that this is only Luke that is talking about. Nobody. Matthew didn't touch about it. Mark didn't touch about this story. John didn't. Only Luke is talking about. He's telling us when Jesus was 12 years old. He said Jesus was 12 years old when the parents decided to take him in the temple. No, 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 no. They told us about his age, but the Bible started by saying every year. Every year, Mary and Joseph, they were going to the temple for a Passover party, for a Passover celebration. They were going every single year. Oh, that's amazing to say that. That means they were so faithful as a Christian if we compare them to the Christian of today. 
They were going every single year. But when I checked the rules, the Bible said, the, the Bible explained that in the law of a Jew people, the women, they were not, it was not a must for a woman to go to the temple everywhere. And there was another rules that means you need to live 20 miles, 20 miles away from Jerusalem for you to be able to go there every year. If you live, but when we compare where Mary and the Joseph they were coming from, he was actually 60 miles away from Jerusalem. That means they proved that they were faithful Christians or faithful believers if we want to do that. Because you need to live 20 miles away from Jerusalem for you to go there every year. But they were living 60 miles away and they were going there every year. Every year they were going there. Every year they were going to celebrate. And the party was taking about eight days. They were sitting there for eight days, celebrating, singing, and telling God, thank you for what you did 4,000 years ago when we were in Egypt. Oh, you know, I was thinking about that. They were celebrating the fact that the Passover. The Passover is the fact the day that the Lord appeared to them in Egypt. He told them, you're going to take a lamb, the lamb that is going to look perfect. You're going to kill the lamb, and you're going to take the blood, and you're going to put by the door. So that when the angel is going to come at night, if you see the law, you see the, the, the blood, it's going to pass over. But do you understand that they were celebrating that? But Jesus that day was with them. Who cares to know that he was actually the perfect of lamb of God that was with them on that day? Nobody paid attention about him because he was just a little boy. He was just 12 years old. Nobody knew him. Nobody paid attention about him. But he was there. He was with them. And I realized that after eight years, it was time to go back home. Clear. Joseph told Mary, do you have everything? We have enough water? I think Mary asked Joseph, did you charge your phones? Because we're going to be going home now. And this is a 60 miles away from where we are. We're going. And it was taking them between three to four days to get where they were going. That means they make sure that they have every single thing with them. They take, take the food that we have enough food. We have enough crackers. We have enough everything. We, we call. We know the route that we can take. But there was one thing that they didn't take care about. They didn't make sure if Jesus was with them. Because the Bible said that they travel one day. They travel one day before they realize that Jesus was not with them. Why? Because they assume that Christ was among the people that was traveling with them. They assume that Jesus was with them. And when I check the, the, the definition of exception is just the fact that we are accepting some stuff that without even asking questions. We're not even sure about it. We don't even know if it's true. We assume. That's why this morning I have a question for someone. How far did you go before you realized that Christ is not with you? How far did you go? How far did you travel already in your marriage before you realized that Christ is not the foundation of your marriage anymore? How far you went already with the relationship with your kids before you realized that Christ is not there anymore? Because the Bible says it took them one day. One day, traveling. I'm asking myself for two hours. No, even two hours is too much. For 30 minutes, if we don't know where's my daughter, but it's going to be just terrible in my house that day. Sometimes she's not, she's just in a house, but we cannot find her. People can get panicked. But it took them a day before they realized no Christ is not with them. It took them a day. Oh, they were able to prepare everything. They were able to take the water, to charge their phone, to do this, to make sure that the clothes was ready, everything. Except they didn't make sure if Christ was with them. How far did you go before you realized that Jesus is not with you anymore? And then you know that the assumption is a very bad thing. The assumption is something that it can kill the hope and the division in you. I was checking the Bible and I realized that story. I know that everybody knows about the story of Joseph's brothers. 
But the Bible said that Jacob have 12 kids and the Jacob by now, he have 11 of them. Because Benjamin was not born yet. But the truth is, he loved his kids, his son Joseph, so much that he made a coat for him. He made a jacket for him. He said, oh, you are my favorite. I love you because I love your mother more than my other wife. But he told his wife's son, he said, I want you to go check your brothers. When they, they, they're still working for a couple of days, they didn't come home. I want you to go check them. When they went, when he went, you know what happened? His brother planned to kill him. But they didn't. They didn't actually kill him. They sold him. They said, we sell you. You can go and be a slave in Egypt. But they said, how are we going to convince our dad that Joseph is dead? You know what we're going to do? We're going to take a Joseph jacket. We're going to kill a lamb. We're going to put the blood on that jacket. And we're going to bring it to our dad. I mean, now that's the part that caught my mind the most. When they brought the jacket back, they just showed Jacob the jacket. They didn't tell him anything. They told him, just, dad, do you recognize this jacket? The Bible said, when Joseph, Jacob saw the jacket, he cried. He said, this is the jacket of my son. I believe that there is a dangerous animal that came and they killed my son and they cut him in small pieces. I have a question. Who told Jacob that? No one. He just assumed. Do you know how many times we've been in a Christian life assuming things that have nothing to do? with God, what God is doing in our lives? Do you know how many times we gossip about somebody or about someone because we're assuming that? Yeah. Actually, he's doing something that, he, no, he's not doing nothing. It's God doing something in his life. We saw people struggling and we think this must be the result of sin. And we assume about it. When you have nothing to do with sin, this is God doing what he was doing. And in this story, you can see that Jacob killed his own son because Joseph was not dead. He just assumed that Joseph was dead. But we're talking about somebody that have a relationship with God. Jacob fought with God the whole night. That means he have access to God. He could say, God, listen, I hear you, but I need to go in my room to pray first. Yeah. I want to listen for Yahweh. What is going on here? Yeah. But no, the Bible says he assumed. And they say, I think that one of the first animals killed my son. And the one is not true. He was not. Or I realize one thing, that assumption is Becoming, the assumption can make, bring us in an area of ignorance. And our ignorance creating us uncertainty. Yeah. This is what the actually assumption can do to us. It's always bring us in that area where we realize that we are ignorant about tough. When we realize that we're not good about something. When we realize that what we're thinking was not actually the reality. And as soon as we get to the area of ignorance, something happened to us. We become uncertain about God. We don't trust God anymore. We go away. We don't even know what is going on here. Oh, yes, the Bible says about this. I love these verses. And these verses, I love it, and they make me afraid at the same time. I wish that verses were just people perish for a lack of knowledge. No, the Bible is saying, my people. That means it's a Christian. We're not going to blame the outside people. No, that is talking about his own people. He said, my people, they actually perish for the lack of knowledge. And we realize that the lack of knowledge creating us in assumption. And that assumption brings us in a way that we become ignorant. And then when we realize our ignorance, now we become uncertain of what God can do. The assumption also takes us away from who, actually, why we become a Christian for the first time. For the first place, why we actually even become a Christian. Because many of us, we, become, we think that we become a Christian because we want to become rich. It's never be about money. Because I think that the last time I checked, the five richest people in the world, they're not even Christian. 
No, we don't become Christian for marriage. Because even an unmarried Christian, they can get married. But now when we assume that we become Christian about because of all those kind of things, now when we don't get it, something happened to us now. We become uncertain about God. And we start to get out about everything what God can do in our life. When we become uncertain, why? Because we're assuming that's why we, this is the reason why I become a Christian. You don't realize that you become a Christian just to give glory to God. But I love it. If you're a Christian, just if you're a Christian, I love that I have a very good news for you today. No matter how far you went, but the Bible says, if my people, again, call upon my name, they humble themselves. If my people call upon my name and they number themselves and they pray and they seek my face, that means you need to be a Christian first. You need to make sure that you have a relationship with God and that you humble yourself. And that God is always willing, always willing to forgive you. I realize that the tension in our life, you know, this tension between Mary and the Joseph start to take place. In that moment when they cannot find their son, you know, when you are in a relationship with somebody and you cannot find your son, now we start to blaming each other. I realized that Mary told Joseph, which kind of husband are you, man? <laughs> How come you cannot even make sure that our son is not there for a day? I think, oh, whoa, whoa, Joseph said, woman, calm down. Which kind of male mom are you? When you serve dinner and lunch, you didn't even realize that our son was not there? What kind of woman are you too? You never know, you wait for the next day when you're serving a breakfast to realize that Jesus is not there? What kind of a woman are you? Oh, Jesus was just terrible. Why? Because when we're facing attention, there's two things that we need to feed in our life. There's just two options, and we need to feed one of them. And we need to feed the vision, or we need to feed our needs. The vision is what the Lord taught us, what the Lord wants from us. This is the vision because the visions come from God. Or we need to feed our needs. Our need is our desire to appear and to make self that we feel good in us. Because now they didn't take a time to go and they check from the Lord. The one appeared to them. The one told them who Jesus would be, but they tried to feed their need of being a parent. Wow. Can you remember that more than once the angel appeared to them just to tell them about Jesus? But no, in this stage, they didn't even pay attention about it. They want to feed their needs of being a parent. And that was a mistake that they made here. But the good news is they decided to go back. This is the two verses that I'm telling you. The verses that they take their attention. They realize that, oh yeah, the angel appeared to them more than once to tell them about Jesus. They're supposed actually to feed their vision. The vision that the Lord told us who baby Jesus will be. You know what we need to do? Let's pray now. God, the baby that you gave us, we cannot see him. Can you help us? No. They were asking between them. Asking questions and the tension come between them because they feed their need of a being a parent. I don't know if they will consider themselves as a responsible parent or not, but remember, he took God 4,000 years to prepare both of them. Yes, because of that, we don't get enough. You know that sometimes when we don't feed our need, we feed our need, we feed, we're actually feeding our flesh. And everything that we feed, everything that is relative with our flesh is always contrary to the spirit. It's always contrary to the spirit. And we don't get enough of God when we go to certain church. We don't get enough of Christ. We get enough of everything. That's why when they try to take something away from us, we even start thinking that they take Christ also away from us. Now the governor closed the town. Or the country, the state was closed down. We thought that everything was taken away from us. We took out the building was taken away from us. Yes, I love the worship. 
I love to be here. We think that everything was taken away from us. We think that the mall was taken away from us. The saloon was taken away from us. <laughs> All of those things were taken away from us. But even we also think that Jesus was also taken away from us. No, Jesus was not taken away from us. We thought that we were losing everything when we are not. Oh, I want to make some note. And what I love about this story is that Mary and the Joseph realized the mistake that they make. They stop. They say that we're going back to Jerusalem. Oh, today I want to ask you to stop a little bit and ask yourself a question. Where did you forget your Jesus? In which level you forget your Jesus? In which capacity you forget your Jesus? They said, we're not going to move forward without Jesus. This is a problem that we have in this country. We want to go forward, but without Christ. And as long as we can think like that, with nothing it's going to happen. I think it's a time for us to stop and to go back. To go back where we forget our Jesus. I want to go back. In my marriage, I want to go back where I forget my Jesus. In my relationship with my friends, I want to stop and I go back to realize where did I forget my Jesus. It's a time for us to go back. And the tension. The tension help us. When we are in that tension, create an uncertainty in us. You know what happened? We lose time. It took them three days. Actually, three days to find Jesus. You're going to know why. But I have a good news for you. During the time of uncertainty, no matter what is going on in your life, there's one right. There's one right that no one and no one or anything can take away from you. It's the right for you to hope in the Lord. That is the only right that nobody can take away from you. No matter what is going, no matter which time of uncertainty you can be, uncertain you can be, there's one thing that nobody and no one can take away from you. I love that the Apostle Paul is sending a letter to the church of Roman. He told them in verses 12, chapter 12 and verses 12, he said, rejoice in hope. He said, rejoice in hope. And they said, be patient in affliction. In another version, they said, be patient in trouble. Be patient in difficult moments. And they continue to pray. That means, another way, Paul was telling them, the difficult moment is going to come. He can create uncertainty in you guys, but I want you to rejoice in the hope. Why? Because the Lord is able to do something. That is the right that nobody and no one can take away from you. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, nobody can take that away from you. And then the conflict again. Do you know that now we get to do the level of conflict? I realize that the tension in us can create a conflict. And then the conflict that we try to actually fulfill the desire of our life, or we try to create, who to fulfill the, the will of God. It's not between you and somebody, no. It's between yourself and the will of God in your life. You will not see why. Because Mary, when he came, and Mary came to see Jesus, he told Jesus, son, what did you do to us? What did you do to us? What he called my mind here is the way Jesus answered the question. He said, you didn't do that to me and to your father. You said, we were so nervous looking for you. Jesus said, hey, you, why you were looking for me? How come you guys forget that I'm supposed to do my father's will? I'm here doing my father's business. Now, we can see that we have two different fathers in that moment. Yeah. We have the father that Joseph, now Mary was talking about, that was Joseph. And then we have the father that, actually, Jesus was talking about, this is his father in heaven. We have a father that is uncertain of his son's situation. He's uncertain where's his son. And then we have a father that's actually the son that is defending with a lot of certainty that, hey, I'm here to do my father's will. I'm here. Why you guys are looking for me? You know why Mary reacted like that? Because actually Mary wanted Jesus to remain a baby. 
Because Mary wants to control Jesus. And I realize that many of us as a Christian, we want cross in us to continue to be a baby. We don't want him to grow. We want him to stay in that level so we're going to be comfortable. So we're going to be in the area of ignorance. So that even if I do something wrong, I'm going to claim that I didn't know. Because I don't want Christ to grow. Yet the truth is, because Mary was continuing to see Jesus as a son, no matter what happened, he would say, you are my son. He didn't want to see him as a growing man. That's someone that is actually doing the will of God. He didn't want to. Why? Because he think that. This is the only way I'm going to be comfortable with him is by seeing Jim changing. Oh, I want you to realize this. You cannot find God anywhere else than in his word. No matter what you're doing, remember that Jesus, you can find him nowhere. It took them three days because they were looking for Jesus at the wrong place. Jesus was at the temple. Remember that you are the temple. That means no matter where you are, you are the temple. Why? Because Christ decided to live in you. That means you don't need to go three days in Jerusalem, but you just need to go on your knees and then to say, God, you one live in me, Jesus. Forgive me for what I did. No matter how far you went, remember that Christ is in you. And then even when you find yourself in uncertain position, don't forget that you are the temple where Christ lives in. You remember who you are. No matter what is going on, the uncertainty that is in your life, Jesus is the only one can answer it and make every uncertainty to become certain in you. And may that Jesus live in you. That means today, I don't know how far you went, but how far you went, there's a good news for you that you can go back and go back where? To the temple. But you are the temple because Christ decided to live in your life. Let God bless you.